Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Good evening, everyone. This is Suzanne Knabernicol from Police Science Doctor. I'm here to talk about the weekly police science methods. Let me just get my microphone, which is stuck down there. There you go. You can probably hear me better now. So your weekly science snippets. These snippets are basically pieces of research from academics that were um, that, that that who conducted studies in the fields of police science, criminology, investigative psychology, forensic psychology, these kind of areas. And these academic journals get published and it's mainly other academics that read and access them. But I think some of that information, the practical stuff, the one that which is applicable straight away, should really get to the law enforcement practitioners such as yourself. So that's why every Tuesday I um, extract three snippets of such research. I call them police science snippets. I email them to everyone who's subscribed to the Police Science Doctor email list. So you can get that into your inbox. Just go to www.policesciencedr.com and you just leave your details in the form there. Let me know where you're watching from, which country you're in. It's always interesting to find out um, in the comments, please, where are you watching this below? And um, it's always good to see who's um, who's about. So um, every Tuesday evening or afternoon, I then go live once I've sent everything to my email list. And I also discuss what these science snippets mean, how they can be used, and you know, just the context. Each snippet is actually going, is actually referenced with the original article where it comes from. It's not my research, don't take my word for it, go straight to the source. It's down to you whether you can access the piece of research or not, because many of them will be behind a subscription wall, unfortunately. Also, if you actually um, have access to research, for example, you're a student or you work in academia or you've got some kind of subscription and you find an actionable piece of research, please send it to me because every week I'm scraping the barrel with what I can find because there's a lot of great research out there, but a lot of it is very theoretical. It's very abstract. It's, you know, discussing methodologies and um, and other things. And I, what I'm looking for is something that law enforcement peeps like yourself can actually use straight away okay so it's always a little bit of a challenge for me um we've got uh, john prescott watching thank you very much we just recorded a podcast episode earlier today um so that'll be really exciting so um let me get to today's police science snippets first one is about volunteer street patrols Using volunteer street patrols offers a valuable source of support for the police. These patrols can walk the streets of cities and towns at night and can provide a function the police are often too stretched for, helping those in need through acts of care, compassion and prevention. Police could create meaningful partnerships with volunteers in this way. Now, I'm not exactly sure what kind of volunteers they were um, talking about. They're obviously not specials. So here in the um, UK, we have special constables. They've got police training and police powers, but they're doing it as a volunteer role. They do about at least 16, uh, 16 hours per month. Um, I think these, um, this article is talking about different kind of patrol. Now, what I pictured in my mind when I heard this, and which, you know, the reason why I like this is because Imagine, you know, somebody comes home from a drunk from a night out and they stumble, you know, through the streets and walk around. It's not really a police issue to deal with, but maybe a volunteer street patrol when they encounter this person at night could maybe help that person get their bearings, could maybe help that person get home, could maybe make sure the person gets actually into their house safely. Um, also, 
let's say they're walking around at night and they see someone walking around who's upset. They've just had a fight with their partner. They've just left the address. They've just been kicked out, something like that. Again, not necessarily a police issue, but it can prevent crime in the sense that you can, you know, you can spot vulnerable people. You can help them out in a situation. Police are often too stretched for these kind of things. You know, nobody's saying that they don't care. They don't do these acts of care, but they're usually too stretched. They're running from incident to incident, unfortunately. Um, so that's why I put it in here. So if if you know that in your policing area you've got some kind of volunteer organization, maybe get in touch with them and see if there's any way that you can exchange information and you know whatever setup they might be suggesting in this article. The second snippet for this week, eyewitness inconsistency. When witnesses are inconsistent in their account, jurors perceive them less positively, perceive the defendant more positively and less guilty, and render fewer guilty verdicts than when the eyewitness was consistent. Now, here, obviously, we need to learn a little bit about how consistent or inconsistent true memories are, because we would all like... um, you know, witnesses to recount their experiences almost like a film. This happened, that happened, that happened, that happened, and that, and you know, for that not to change. But that is not so. It doesn't work like that. So if you think back about how you remember an incident that just happened now, and then notice how you're going to remember it a week later or a few days later, there there are differences. So we need to establish, okay, baseline, what is normal variance? You know, what to which degree does true memory accurate memory vary. And then we need to educate our jurors about that. Um, you know, we've had similar problems in inconsistencies in victims' accounts and in sexual offenses. People tend to disbelieve accounts that are inconsistent, but actually inconsistency does not mean that it's fabricated at all. Okay. It can just be how our memory works. Um, again, link to the original article. And the third one, school-based diversity education. Schools that offer prevention programs in the form of diversity education explicitly addressing bias-related bullying, for example, bullying related to race, weight, sexual orientation, were found to have lower rates of bullying about these kind of topics. Seems a little bit obvious, but actually, why don't we do that in all schools? So we know that, you know, bullying... um, has has something to do with the, the overall school experience for the person doing the bullying and for the person at the receiving end of the bullying. And it's very important to actually um, really get get that down. So here's, an, here's something that has worked in, in wherever this study was conducted. So if you can, if you know of any diversity um, pro- educational programs that can be introduced in school, Here's some evidence that says it actually does reduce bullying. So maybe if you work with schools in any way, if you work within the educational system or, you know, policing, working with the educational system, this is something that um, perhaps you should be trying. So have a look at that article if you want. Okay. So Jonathan is saying, careful questioning about uh, during obtaining the account and doing so in a chronological order assists us in obtaining best evidence in the initial stages. However, why not revisit and ask them if they are happy with their account and possibly take a further statement? Yep. So I'm sure some research has been done on that, but um, for, you know, initial thought would be to find you know what what would be the differences. You know, compare the first account or the second account if we know that it's a true account, and then obviously we will um, we will see what the normal variance in consistency is. Yeah. Okay, so the other thing I wanted to tell you about is I now finally have a video for the upcoming for the upcoming rapid fire conference on investigative interviewing. Let me just show you that. 
hill. So this is the um, this is the um, banner, so to speak, for the conference. Now we've I've done a rapid fire conference before, and it was amazing, if I do say so myself. It was 10-minute training sessions on a topic, so that's not long, long enough for anyone to get bored. It's fantastic topics. It's how to interview witnesses, how to interview suspects and victims in sexual offense cases, how to build rapport with suspects in interviews, and how to improve investigative interviewing. And each of those four speakers are amazing experts in their field. So it's really exciting to have, have these on, to have this combination, because they are world-class leaders in their field. And uh, I'm going to... So this is the... This is the URL where you go. So just go to the main website, forward slash RFC, Rapid Fire Conference 2. The first one was on behavioral science in policing, more generically. This one is specifically on investigative interviewing. So I'm going to show you the video now. Right, so that was the first trailer video for the conference. Let me know what you think about it. And um, don't forget, it's a free event. Everyone is invited who's got any interest in interviewing. Um, and I'm pleased to say that I've got some interviewing courses lined up. Um, but more info about that when, when I have more that I can confirm. So, as always, thank you very much for watching, and I wish you all a very good evening. Go to policesciencedoctor.com and just leave your details in the form that pops up or that's at the bottom of each page if you want to join the free Police Science Doctor email list. You will not regret it, and if you do, you can always leave. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps, and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address, and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts. Thank you.